All right, guys. Uh, if we are in, uh, uh, if we can go and turn to what is it? Uh, we're in First Chronicles twenty-two. First Chronicles twenty-two. Yes, there is Bible study, Sherry. I'm going to be posting that on Patreon. Um, you know, this this weekend, I I just had to recover from from a busy busy week last week, and so um, I'm going to follow up with everybody and catch up with you all. Uh, probably right after this. So I'm going to catch all of you guys. And I really look forward, really look forward to um, to our Bible study tomorrow uh, on Patreon. And so, yeah. So, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to catch up with everybody and then we'll get we'll get right to it. Um, if you are here for the first time, join with us as we read the word today. Um, I want us to go to First Chronicles 22. Is that where we're at, guys? I'm assuming we're in First Chronicles and we're in chapter 22. Um, you know, it's been a couple of days, so <laughs> I'm still catching up with everything. But if you can, turn to First Chronicles chapter 22, and we're going to get right into the word. So good to see everybody. Quickly, shout out where you're located. Shout out where you're located. We got Barbados in the house. Yeah, we got Barbados. Awesome. We got the UK in the house. We've got Australia in the house. Yes, yes, yes. We've got... Burundi in the house, Pittsburgh, Dulmouth, Maryland. We've got Antigua, Lake Vermilion. We've got Florida in the house, my backyard. We got Chicago. We got Cali. We got West Virginia. We have Venice. We have Toronto. We got the UK, Lagos, Nigeria, Indianapolis. We've got Overton, Nevada, Georgia, Louisiana, Atlanta, Minnesota, Belton, Texas, Perth, Australia. We have Zambia. We have Virginia, uh, Guatemala, South Africa, California. We have Port-au-Prince. I love it. I love that. We've got St. Louis in the house. We have New Jersey in the house. Sumter, South Carolina, Memphis, Tennessee, Kenya, Zimbabwe. Guys, we have people from all around the world coming together for the reading of the word of God. How incredible is that? That we have people from all around for some of you, this is your evening read. For some of you, this is your lunchtime read. For some of you, this is your morning read. And so I'm just excited that we get to come together and spend time in the reading of the word. So with that said, let's get right to it. We're going to be in First Chronicles chapter 22. First Chronicles 22. We're going to read and we're going to pray into it. And we're going to ask three questions during our time of reading. Because this isn't a Bible study. We'll leave that for Patreon tomorrow when we do our study on the book of revelation but today what we're doing is is we're doing a meditation we're reading the word to hear from god and to hear what god has to say to us today and so we're going to pray okay we're going to pray we're going to ask the lord to uh to speak to us to reveal to himself to, to us reveal himself to us sorry to reveal to us what he intends to reveal to us about people and then to reveal to us what he intends to reveal about even our own hearts and ourselves. I always say this when we read meditationally to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And that's what we're going to do here in our time today as we read the word. Father, I just ask that you would bless us today. Lord, we've got nothing prepared. We're not here to uh, expostulate, exegete. We're not here to 
break down or to give a sermonic uh, uh, display. But Father, we're asking for your glory to be shown through this. Father, I just come before you, Lord, seeking to hear from you. And Lord, speak to each and every one of your children in a new and powerful way. Father, bless us today. Bless us in all we do, Father. Engage with us as we engage with you in your word. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God. And this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel. And he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and the bronze in abundance beyond measure and cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. Now David said, Solomon, my son is young and inexperienced and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house in the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and you have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God, as he said to you, Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper. If you take take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord had charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 tenants of gold, one million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure. For it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, workmen and stone cutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work of gold, silver and bronze and iron. There is no limit. Arise and begin working and the Lord be with you. And David said, and David also, sorry, commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, is it not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given the inhabitants of the land into my hand. And the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the Holy Articles of God into the house that is built for the name of the Lord. So when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. 
And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the ages of 30 years and above. And the number of individual males was 38,000. Of these, 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord. 6,000 were officers and judge, judges. 4,000 were gatekeepers and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made said David, for giving praise. Also, David separated them into divisions among the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Of the Gershonites, Laden and Shimei, the sons of Laden, the first of Jael, then Zetham and Joel, three in all, the sons of Shimei, Shelemith, Heziel, and Haran, three in all. These were the heads of the fathers of the house of Laden and the sons of Shimei, Jehath, Zena, Jeush, Beriah. These were the four sons of Shimei. Jehath was the first, and Ziza the second. Jeush and Beriah sorry, did not have many sons. Therefore, they were assigned as one father's house. The sons of Koath, Amram, Isar, Hebron, Uziel, four in all. The sons of Amram, Aaron, and Moses. And Aaron was set apart in his sons forever, that he should sanctify the most holy things, to burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him, and to give blessing to his name forever. Now the sons of Moses, the man of God, who reckoned to the tribe of Israel. The sons of Moses were Gershon and Eliezer. The sons of Gershon were Shebuel. Sorry, the sons of Gershon, Shebuel was the first, had no other sons. But the sons of Rehabiah, Rehabiah were very many of the sons of Isar. Shelomith was the first, the sons of Hebron, Jeriah was the second, Amariah the second, Jeziel the third, and Jechamim the fourth, the sons of Uziel, Micah was the first, and Jeshiah was the second. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. The sons of Mali were Eliezer and Kish. And Eliezer died and had no sons, but only daughters. And their brethren, the sons of Kish, took them as wives, the sons of Mushi were Mali and Eder and Jeremoth, three in all. These were the sons of Levi by their father's houses, the heads of the houses, as they were counted individually by the number of their names, who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord from the age of 20 years and above. For David said, the Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also to the Levites, they shall no longer carry the tabernacle, or any of the articles for its service. For the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above because their duty was to help the sons of Aaron in the service of the house of the Lord, in the courts and in the chambers, in the purifying of all holy things, and the work of the service of the house of God, both with the showbread and the fine flour up for the grain offering, with the unleavened cakes and what is baked in the pan, with what is mixed with and with all kinds of measures and sizes, to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at evening and at every presentation of a burnt offering to the Lord, on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the set feasts by number, according to the ordinance governing them regularly before the Lord, and that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle. Sorry. Let me go back to that. To stand every morning and to thank and to praise the Lord and likewise at evening and at every presentation of burnt offering to the Lord of the Sabbath and on the new moons and on the set feasts. 
thy number according to the ordinance governing them regularly before the Lord, and that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle of the meeting, the needs of the holy place, and the needs of the sons of Aaron and their brethren. Chapter 24. Now these were the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ithamar, and Adab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests. Then David was Zadok, and the sons of Eliezer and Ahimelech, and the sons of Ithamar divided them according to the schedule of their service. There were more leaders found of the sons of Eliezer than of the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eliezer were sixteen heads of their father's houses, and eight heads of their father's houses among the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided by lot, one group as another. For they were officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God, from the sons of Eliezer and from the sons of Ithamar. And the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nathanael, one of the Levites, wrote them down before the king, the leaders, Zadok the priest, Ahimelech the son of Abiathar, and the heads of the father's houses of the priests of the Levites, one father's house taken for Eliezer, and one for Ithamar. Now the first lot fell on Jehorib, Je Jehoiarib, the second to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Siorim, the fifth to Malkijah, the sixth to Mijamim, the seventh to Hakaz, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Jeshua, the tenth to Shechaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jakim, the thirteenth to Hupa, the fourteenth to Jeshab, to Jeshab, sorry, Jeshabib, the fifteenth to Bilga, the sixteenth to Emar, the seventeenth to Hezer, the eighteenth to Hippizaz, the nineteenth to Pithiah, the twentieth to Je Jehezekel, the twenty-first to Jakim, the twenty-second to Jamul, the twenty-third to Deliah, the twenty-fourth to Maziah. This was a schedule of their service for the coming of the house of the Lord according to the ordinance of the hand of Aaron their father of the Lord God of it, that the Lord God of Israel had commanded him and the rest of the sons of Levi the sons of Amram Shubael the sons of Shubael Jehadiah concerning Rabiah the sons of Rabiah was first Ashai Ashia and the Azrites Shelemoth, the sons of Shelemoth, Jahath, the sons of Hebron, Jeriah, was first, Amariah, the second, Jehaziel, the third, Jechamim, the fourth, the sons of Uziel, Micah, the sons of Micah, Shamir, the son of Micah, Ishia, the sons of Ishia, Zechariah, the sons of Merari, were Mali and Mushi, the sons of Jeziah, Beno, the sons of Merari were Jeziah and Beno, Shoam, Zukar, Zakur and Abri, of Mali, Eliezer, who had no sons, of Kish, the son of Kish, Jeremiel. Also the sons of Mushi were Mali, Eder, and Jeremoth. These were the sons of the Levites according to their father's houses. These also cast lots just as their brothers, the sons of Aaron did in the presence of King David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of their father's houses, the priests and the Levites, and the chief fathers did just as their younger brethren. Chapter 25. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service of the sons of Asaph, of Haman, of Jedathon, 
who should prophesy with harps and string instruments and cymbals. And the number of skilled men performing their service was of the sons of Asaph, Zakur, Joseph, Nethaniah, Asharala, the sons of Asaph, were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king, of Jedathan, the sons of Jedathan, of Jedaliah, Ziri, Jeshiah, Shemei, Hashabiah, and Metathiah, six, under the direction of their father Jedathan, who prophesied, excuse me, with a harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord, of Haman, the sons of Haman, Bukiah, Mataniah, Uziel, Sheb Shebuel, Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Elithiah, Eliatha, sorry, and Mahazioth. All these were sons of Haman, the king's seer in the words of God, to exalt his horn. For God gave Haman 14 sons and three daughters. All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals and string instruments and harps for the service of the Lord, sorry, for the service of the house of God, Asaph, Jedathan, Haman, were under the authority of the king. So the number of them with all their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all who were skillful, was 288. And they cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. Hmm. Now the first lot for Asaph came out for Joseph, the second for Jedaliah, him with his brethren and his sons, twelve, the third for Zakur, his sons and his brethren, twelve, the fourth for Jizri, his sons and his brethren, twelve, the fifth for Nethaniah, his sons and his brethren, twelve, the sixth, Bukiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve, the seventh, Jeshareliah, his sons and his brethren, twelve, the eighth, Jeshiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The ninth, Metaniah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The tenth, Shimei, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The eleventh, Azariel, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The twelfth, for Heshabiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The thirteenth, for Shubael, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The fourteenth, for Metathiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The fifteenth for Jeremoth, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The sixteenth for Hananiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The seventeenth for Jovbekashah, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The eighteenth for Hanani, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The nineteenth for Malathi, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The twentieth for Elithiah, sorry, for Eliathah, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 21st for Hothier, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 22nd for Gedalti, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 23rd for Mahazioth, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 24th for Ramamti Ezer, his son and his brethren, 12. Chapter 26, concerning the divisions of gatekeepers of the Korah, Sorry, of the Korites. Meshelamiah, the son of Akor, the son of Asaph. The sons of Meshelamiah were Zechariah, the firstborn, Jediel, the second, Jebediah, the third, Jethnael, the fourth, Elam, the fifth, Jehohanan, the sixth, Elihonath, 
we, we went through these names before, so be patient with me. The seven. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shemaiah, the firstborn, Jehozabad, the second, Joah, the third, Sakar the fourth, Nathanael, sorry, Nathanael, Nathanael, goodness, the fifth, Amiel, the sixth, Issachar, the seventh, Peulthai, Peulthai, the eighth, for God blessed him. Also, Shemaiah, his son, were the sons of, uh, sorry, verse six, also, Shemaiah, his son, were sons born who governed their father's houses because they were men of great ability. The sons of Shemaiah were Othni, Raphael, Obed, and Elzabad. Those brothers, Elu and Shemakiah, were able men. All these were the sons of Obed-Edom. They were the sons of their brethren, able men with strength for the work. 62 of Obed-Edom. Meshelamiah had sons and brethren, 18 able men. Also, Hosa of the children of Merari had sons. Shimri, the first, for though he was not the firstborn, his father made him first. Hilkiah, the second. Teb Tebaliah, the third. Zechariah, the fourth. All the sons of the brethren of Hosa were 13. Among these were the divisions of gatekeepers among the chief men, having duties just like their brethren to serve in the house of the Lord. And they cast lots for each gate, the small as well as the great, according to their father's houses. The lot for the east gate fell in Shelemiah. Then they cast lots for the son Zechariah, a wise counselor, and his lot came out at the north gate to Obed-Edom, the south gate, and to his sons, the storehouse, to Shupim and Hosea. The lot came out of the west gate with Shalacheth, sorry, to Shupim and Hosea, the lot came out of the west gate with the Shalacheth gate on the ascending highway, watchmen, opposite watchmen. And on the east were six Levites, on the north for each day, and on the south for each day, and for the storehouse two by two. And for the parbar on the west, there were four on the highway, and two at the parbar. These were the divisions of the gatekeepers among the sons of Korah and among the sons of Merari. Of the Levites, Ahijah was over the treasuries of the house of God and over the treasuries of the dedicated things. The sons of Laden, the descendants of the Gershonites of Laden, heads of their father's houses, the houses of Laden were the Laden, the Gershonite, Jeheli. The sons of Jeheli were Zetham and Joel, his brother, over the treasuries of the house of God, of the Amramnites, of the Izzerites, of the Hebronites, of the Uzielites. Shebuel, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, was the overseer of the treasuries. And his brethren by Eliezer were Rehabiah, the son, his son, Jeshiah, his son, Joram, his son, Zikri, his son, and Shelomith, his son. This Shelomith and his brethren were over the treasuries of the dedicated things which King David and the heads of the father's houses, the captains over the thousands and hundreds, and the captains of the army had dedicated. Some of the spoils won in battles, they dedicated to maintain the house of the Lord. And all that Samuel the seer, Saul the son of Kish, Abner the son of Ner, and Joab the son of Zeruiah had dedicated, every dedicated thing was under the hand of Shelomith and his brethren. Of the Israelites. Chananiah and his sons performed the duties of the officials and judges over the house 
sorry, over Israel outside Jerusalem. Of the Hebronites, Hashabiah and his brethren, 1,700 able men had the oversight of Israel on the west side of Jordan for all the business of the Lord and in the service of the king. Among the Hebronites, Jerijah, the head of the Hebronites, according to his genealogy of their fathers. In the 40th reign of the reign of David, they were sought and they were found. And among them were capable men at Jazer of Gilead. And his brethren were 2,700 able men, heads of the father's houses whom King David made officials over the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Benissa, for that matter, for every matter, sorry, pertaining to God and the affairs of the king. And I'll read this last chapter, and then we're going to talk for a little bit. Chapter 27. And the children of Israel, according to their number, the heads of their father's houses, the captains of thousands and hundreds, and their officers served the king in every matter of military divisions. These divisions came in and went out mouth by mouth throughout all the months of the year, each division having 24,000. Over the first division for the first month of Jeshobiam, the son of Jebdel, and in his army were 24,000. He was of the children of Perez and the chief of the captains of the army of the first month over the division of the second month. <clears throat> sorry, over the division of the second month was Dodai, the Aoite, and of his division, Mikloth also was the leader. In his division were 24,000. The third captain of the army for the third month was Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who was chief, and in his division were 24,000. This was the Benaiah, who was mighty among the 30 and was over the 30 in the division of Amizabad, his son. The fourth captain of the fourth month was Asael, the brother of Joab, of Zebediah, his son after him. In his division were 24,000. The fifth captain for the fifth month of Shamuth, of the Israelite, in his division were 24,000. The sixth captain for the sixth month was Ira, the son of Ikesh, of the Tekoite. In his division were 24,000. The seventh captain for the seventh month was Halez, the Pelonite, and of the children of Ephraim, in his division were 24,000. The eighth captain of the eighth month was Shebekai, the Hushathite, of the Zerites, in his division was 24,000. The ninth captain for the ninth month of Ebiezer, the Anonathite, sorry, the Anathothite of the Benjamites, in his division were 24,000. The tenth captain for the tenth month was Marari, the Netophathite of the Zarites, in his division was 24,000. The 11th captain of the 11th month was Benaiah, the Parathonite, and the children of Ephraim, in his division were 24,000. The 12th captain for the 12th month was Heldai, the Netophathite of Othniel, in his division were 24,000. Furthermore, over the tribes of Israel, the offer served the Reubenites was Eliezer of Zikri, over the Simeonites was Sephtiah, the son of Maki, over the Levites was Hashabiah, the son of Kemuel, over the Aaronites, Zadok, over Judah, Elihu, one of David's brothers, over Issachar, Amri, the son of Michael, over Zebulon, Ishmael, the son of Obadiah, over Naphtali, Jeremoth, over Azriel, over the children of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of, sorry, Hoshea, the son of Azaziah, over the half-tribe of Manasseh, 
Joel, the son of Padiah, over the half-tribe of Manasseh in Gilead. Edo, the son of Ze Zechariah, over Benjamin. Jaziel, the son of Abner, over Dan. Azarel, the son of Joram. Jeroam. These were the leaders of the tribes of Israel. But David did not take the number of those 20 years old and under, because the Lord had said that he would multiply Israel like the stars of heaven. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, began a census, but he did not finish. For the wrath came upon Israel because of the census, nor was the number recorded in the account of the chronicles of King David. Verse 25. Asmaveth, the son of Adiel, was over the king's treasuries, and Jehonathan, the son of Uzziah, was over the storehouses in the fields and in the cities, in the villages and in the fortresses. Ezri, the son of Chelub, was over those who did the work of the field for tilling the ground. Shimei, the Remathite, was over the vineyards, and Zabdi, the, Shif the Shifmite, was over the produce of the vineyards for the supply of wine. Baal Hanan, the Gederite, sorry, the Gederite, was over the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the lowlands, and Joash was over the store of oil. And Shatrai, the Sharonite, was over the herds that fed in Sharon. And Shaphat, the son of Adlai, was over the heads that were in the valleys. Abiel, the Ishmaelite, was over the camels. And Jehadai, the Maranathite, was over the donkeys. And Jazaz, the Higrite, was over the flocks. All these were officials over King David's property. Jehonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. Je Jehiel, the son of Hakmani, was with the king's sons. Ahithophel was the king's counselor, and Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. After Ahithophel was Jehoiada, the son of Benaiah, then Abiathar, and the general of the king's army was Joab. The word of God. Um, as you guys know, <clears throat> we have, uh, we've been very, very intentional in devoting our time every morning into the reading of the word to read through scripture with no agenda, right? With no agenda other than to simply be exposed by the word, right? We, we have nothing else in mind but to simply encounter God through reading the word. Our approach, because that is our agenda, our approach um, can seem, you know, somewhat uh, disillusioned, disorganized. Our approach can seem somewhat uh, unpurposed, our approach can seem in many ways, uh, it can seem as an approach that has no direction, right? Because we're not seeking to simply gain information, we're seeking to obtain insight. Insight on who God is. Insight on what is God like. Insight on who we are. and insight into what God has done. 
when I say who we are. I find that today we have people who, if you ask what is their greatest challenge, or what are they wrestling through, what are they working through, particularly speaking, people in my age group, people younger, slightly younger, right? People who are in college or either in college or getting out of college. But people in my age group and even those who are older, it almost seems like the, the human challenge and the human desire outside of, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, outside of um, food and protection and safety, the one thing that people are asking is, who am I? Why am I here? Find that there are a lot of people who are asking the question of purpose, identity, who am I? And why am I here? And then, of course, tertiary to that, what people are asking is, what am I to do? Like, what is, what is God calling me to do? Because, of course, what people do is, is they attach their purpose to their activity. Because, again, that's just how we've been taught. You are what you do, right? So your activity and your purpose. And, and so people are, are in this, on this journey to, to figure out who they are. And I think this is one of the things that's so profoundly unique about the human condition is that humans are the only ones who ask these sort of epistemological questions, these existential questions. I always joke about it, but I have not seen a dog sit around and go, what's my purpose on earth? Like, I don't, you, you, you don't really see any other creature on this planet who is asking those questions or wrestling with those things. A lion isn't sitting there going, what is my purpose? Right? They're instinctual. They just do because they were created to do in the way that they were meant to do it. Maybe they do. Miss <laughs> Caroline, maybe they do. We just don't know how to interpret it. But what I find, at least in the human condition, is that that very question can paralyze the human being. That question will cause us to create our own cages and get us to just sit and we're just kind of just stuck because we don't know who we are. And we don't know what we're called to do and, and we're trying to figure out what our purpose is. And of course, we, we try to align that stuff with what am I good at? What are things that I'm good at doing? Because if I can take what I'm good at and if I can make money doing what I'm good at, ready for this? If I can take money doing what I'm good at, then then, then that'll be my purpose, right? That's good. So if I can get the overlap to uh, ability and being able to sustain myself and build a legacy off of that ability, then boom, that's it. Then I'm, then I, then I'm, that's, that's, that's what I'm called to do. We've been taught that. If we can align our abilities to, or our gifts, or our talents to some form of economic or financial sustainability, then that will lead us to know our purpose. 
Unfortunately, family, that's not only is it not always the truth, it's rarely ever the truth. I have more and more conversations with people who they are succeeding in their industry. They're very good at what they do. And I've met many people who make a lot of money doing what they do. I've met seven figure salary executives who at deep down inside, they go, I'm good at what I do. I'm really, really good at what I do. The paycheck proves it. And yet there's something still that I, I feel like I'm missing. Like it's not connecting. Yeah, I can do this and I can keep doing this, but I'm still dealing with this issue of what am I really called to do? So we look for that overlap. And then for others, they'll say that, well, then it's a deep sense of, of, of passion and desire and burden for the thing that you're called to do. And so for some, it's, I have a burden. So if I add that, you know, if you have a Venn diagram, if I, if I take that circle, like what burdens me in the world? And then if you take this circle of what I'm actually capable of doing, and then if I take this circle, what is actually financially sustainable for me, and I do that little overlap in the Venn diagram and that sweet spot in the middle, that's what I'm called to do. And so many have done that as well. And I've met those people who have had great success. Great success. Who are good at it, have a deep sense of burden for it, and also have been able to make a good living doing it as well. And yet a decade goes by, two decades goes by, and they go through these crises of purpose and identity. Purpose and identity. The great question is who are we? We want to get to know who we are. And the reality is, is that many of the conflicts that we have in the world today is directly attached to how we define identity and purpose. I find that in uh, predominantly minor, pr predominant minority circles, the issue is really a question of identity. Because we've seen what white evangelicalism has done and what it has propagated and the politics it propagates, the ideology that it propagates. The black individual wrestles with identity because they're wrestling with the fact that this flavor of Christianity has propagated a doctrine that diminishes my identity. So my response to that is going to be either to dismiss that identity entirely or, or to dismiss the faith entirely and establish a new faith or a new identity or establish a reactive faith. Because for those of you, I, I, I see some of you, some of you are posting, you're, you're Satanists. I see it on the chat. Or there are those of you that are posting that you're atheists. These are all religions that are all, all anti-responses to, to Christianity or to faith in Jesus Christ or to the way. They're just responses. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't a response, they wouldn't be so passionate to get on the chat and speak. 
they're passionately speaking on the chat because again, it's not a matter of self-conviction and purpose, but rather a matter of reaction to whatever broken expression of faith they've seen. And because you have seen a broken expression of faith, you feel it necessary to propagate another doctrine in response to what you've seen. And so it's the pendulum swinging. It's like, I've seen it on this side and now I'm letting go. And now you're swinging on that side, realizing you're missing the mark completely, even when you're on this side. This is a reaction to that. And not just in, in, in white evangelicalism, but we see it in other expressions of faith, even within the black church, we've seen also a broken doctrine, right? Because at the end of the day, what humanity is seeking after, because what was lost through white evangelical was the black identity. Through white evangelicalism is the black identity. That's what was lost there. But what has been lost even throughout many of these faith expressions is the human condition and the human identity and the human need and desire for purpose. I say all of that to say, at the end of the day, we're all finding ourselves seeking to know who we are and what we're called to do. At the end of the day, it isn't even what you're called to do. It's actually, who am I? Many of us, the question that we're asking is who am I? Hmm. And the unfortunate reality is for many of us, we're trying to find who we are. I'm sorry, this is just a rant. I'm just going where the Lord is leading as I'm reading this text. Um, but for many of us, when we're asking the question of who are we, who am I? We're looking for the answer to that question through means of culture and society. So there are these different movements that form, that come out of just a response to really what we're trying to do deep down inside, which is find who we are. So we have this, you know, for a long time, right? We had this male chauvinistic propagation of culture, which robs the woman of her identity. And so the reaction to that is feminism, because again, what feminism is seeking to do is it's seeking to reclaim what years and decades, beyond decades, beyond decades of culture and society, what they've robbed from the woman's identity. Then you have other movements that have formed and these movements form, even right now, the LGBTQ agenda is really a question of identity. And so now what, 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 what that community, right, have, is seeking to do is, is they're seeking to establish who they are based off of sexuality, which is why there's so much offense on this particular topic. At the moment you say that either you agree or you disagree, somehow by accepting someone of because of, because of their you know, sexual preference or whoever they're attracted to, that particular affirmation, they will 
interpret that as an affirmation of who I am. And if you have any kind of disagreement with that, then it, it will be interpreted as a rejection of who I am. And so now we are identifying the human condition by sexuality and sexual preference. So much so that even as you loosen your grip on sexuality, what happens? We push, we push, we push, we push, because at the end of the day, we're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to figure out at the end of the day, who are we? So brothers and sisters, I'll submit to you this, that you can seek to know who you are based off of sexual preference. In the end, you will find nothing. And you can go and seek and chase after who you are based off of racial theory and racial um, 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 historicity and, and, and urban anthropology and everything else. You can go and seek for it there. And in the end, if that's it in and of itself, you got nothing. Oh, and you can go seek it in political ideology and political ideal. And you can have, you can feel like you have a sense of purpose and identity in being a Republican or in a Democrat or being a conservative or being a liberal or being a socialist or being a, a libertarian. And you can find your identity in that. And in the end, you're going to realize that you've got nothing. It's nothing. You can seek it. There are those who... It's the reason why they're so passionate about I'm a passionate dolphin. But I see some dolphins who their passion kind of goes a little too far. And you go, wait, hold on a second. You actually now have, you have established your identity in this particular brand. And so we have been looking and we're trying to anchor. We're just trying to find something to anchor our identity to. And some of us, it's our job. But we see how long that takes. There's some of us right now, 20 years into a successful career, and yet you're trying to find who you are. Where am I going with all of this? What I'm going with is any desire to seek an identity outside of God is a fruitless endeavor. It's fruitless. I don't care how talented you are, how gifted you are, how wealthy you are, how successful you are. It doesn't matter how much, no matter what you have accomplished, you will not find it outside of Christ. When, when Jesus said, I came that you may have life and to have it more abundantly, he came to restore identity. And for many of us, we're trying to find our identity in marriage and success and money. In and so we, you got married folk who are disillusioned because once they got married, they realized this ain't it because you got married for the wrong reasons. And then you find that maybe I didn't want that. And I want to make sure you understand this, that God believes do not define us. I hear what you're saying, but I never said that. As a matter of fact, it's not in what you believe, it's in who you know. The question is family. And now I'm gonna really dig in and I'm gonna get to what my point is, even reading this and why this inspires us in the first place.
the question for you family today, as we spend some time just in the reflection of the word of God, the question that I have for you is, is where is your identity? What is it really rested in? Because even in Christian circles, we have tribes of people, denominational tribes, doctrinal tribes, who have fallen into the same temptation of equating their identity to a core set of beliefs, doctrines, ideologies, and principles. I had a guy who came up to me and he said, I heard you're a pastor, and I guess he knew me from somewhere. I said, yeah. And his first question to me was, are you Calvinist or are you Arminian? And I said to him, are you serious? He said, yeah, I just want to know, like, well, what, are your, what, what are your doctrinal beliefs? Give me your doctrine. I have no problem talking doctrine and speaking about biblical scripture and biblical doctrine, but that's actually the priority like that's your pri your priority in this conversation is to know where someone stands on a doctrinal plane we have people that have established who they are based off of doctrine you see it all the time just go on twitter guys on the twitter put calvinist like you know calvin was a man right You do know he was a human being who was flawed and sinful, right? Or some will say, Arminian, faithful Arminian. And I go, you do know Arminus was a human being, right? You do know that. And you do know that he was sinful and that he fell short of the glory of God, right? You know Calvin's not Jesus, right? You know Arminus isn't Jesus, right? Well, I faithfully follow John MacArthur. You do know that John MacArthur is sinful, right? You do know that he's a human being who falls short of the glory of God and is in need of the grace of God every day. You do know that, right? Well, I follow John Piper, or I follow this person, or I follow that person, because that person teaches good doctrine and good scripture. I am one. I'm spending time reading the word with you guys and scripture with you guys. So I'm, I, I spend plenty of time reading and studying. I study theologians and I read what they have to say because I believe it's important to, to engage in that exercise. And yet at the end of the day, they aren't the final say. And so even in the church today, there are Christians who are more Baptist than they are Christian. There are Christians who are more Presbyterian than they are Christian. There are Christians that are more Pentecostal than they are Christian. There are Christians who care more about their tribe than they care about the body of Christ. Because at the end of the day, you have identified yourself in the same way that the LGBTQ, all of that, look to identify themselves by a letter or a set of letters you want to identify yourself by a tribe. Let's not speak into the hypocrisy, y'all. It's for many of us, we actually, we actually, we're seeking to know who we are. 
and and it's part of the reason why many of us have been hurt by great teachers that we know and we love his doctrine now we establish who we are by the person's doctrine and so when the person fails or we catch that person in their sin or in their error and we find out that the person that we make god isn't god we wrestle with our own faith and wrestle with our own identity and wrestle with who we are because we attach very much almost all of who we are to a set of beliefs on what somebody told us or taught us There is no identity separate from Christ. And any identity outside of that is glass. Because you are not what you were simply called to do. You are who you are. And for many of you, I want to challenge you to step away from simply trying to understand bullet points in salvific doctrine or trying to know, give me the set of points, give me the set of beliefs, give me the set of this, give me the set of that, and for you to establish yourself based off of those doctrinal points, but rather to actually engage in the activity of getting to know Christ and to know God. Why? Because knowing God is salvation. You want to get to know who you are, you won't be able to until you know who Christ is. And you won't be able to until you know who God is. And as I read this text, we're reading all these names of all these people. And if you can't go back and go read all the stuff we've been reading up to this point, that we had all the stars of the show. But the author of Chronicles has this way of bringing all the cast members into the fold that the lives of the cast members matter as well. What First Chronicles is all about is, it's about the fact that, that it isn't just about David, it isn't just about Solomon, but there's so much organization and structure. There's so much behind it. There was a whole cast behind the story of what God is doing. That this wasn't just about David. This wasn't just about Solomon. This wasn't just about Rehoboam. This wasn't just about Jeroboam. This wasn't just about these guys that we read in First and Second Kings, but y'all, there was a whole nation of people who were writing or participating in the chronicling of the story of God. The book of Chronicles is the book of the story of people who many of us would have never known. And for many of us, we've only seen their names a few times every now and then. And we see the census of all the people who participated in this. David, of course, prepares to build the temple, but he can't build it. Then we have the division of the Levites. And we see all the Levites who participated in the administration of the temple. Then we see the divisions of the priests, the priests who participated along with the Levites, set aside from the Levites. Then we see the musicians, the musicians who participated in the work worship and in administrating the worship and the music of the temple and we see uh the gatekeepers who were there to keep things together they were there in management of the facility but they were there in protection of the facility then we see the treasuries and all the all the other people who administrated all of this this wasn't just about david and then we see the military census and the military divisions and we see all these men and all these people who all participate in this and then and the scripture tells us that there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands and all these people participated in the administration of the kingdom of God and notice there was no separation between the kingdom of God and the government of man this was what God wanted this was what God instituted that the economy was the kingdom 
that the government was the kingdom, that all of it was the kingdom of God, that there was no separation between them, that they were all operating in coincidence to see the glory of God revealed through a nation of people. And yet all these people are all part of a bigger story. They were all part of a bigger story. All these men that we just read, all these names that are really hard to pronounce, all these names that are that are difficult to, <laughs> I'm telling you, I butchered at least half of these names. You saw me, you watched me struggle through them, and I'm butchering through these names. If there's anything that I'm getting through all this, is how important each and every individual, how important their role was in the mission of God. God sets aside people to do his work. But first he calls them by his name. And I know that was a part of our reading last time, but I want to just flow it over to our reading today. Is they've been given the rest to operate in their gifting and their calling. And maybe we don't know all the details to the story. But what we do know is that God has his name on them. And you, you, you can sense it as you're reading it, that there's a deep sense of purpose, a deep sense of calling, a deep sense of identity. These people knew who they were. We're gonna continue to read through this story. And as we read through the story, I want you to just pay your, draw close attention to this that this is a people who will make mistakes. They're gonna fall short. We're gonna see, we're gonna see just decades after decades after decades of exile, sinful people. There are times where they lose their way. They lose their way from the law of God. But there's one thing that they do not lose is they don't lose their identity. They know that there's something about them. They have encountered something as a people and it's been brought from generation to generation. They are children of God, the chosen people, the children of Israel. There was one thing, and then I'm closing. As I'm reflecting, there's one thing that, that I find so beautiful about the story of God's people. We talk about the chosen people of God. And man, there was one part I missed it, but I'm gonna at least point this one thing out and then I'm done, I'm done. These people who all got to play part in this story, often we attribute that simply through DNA and bloodline. You know, we said this over and over again that it's bloodline, you know, and, and yes, God is preserving a bloodline. And yet God is calling nations to participate along with him. Notice in this story, in the last part that we read, in 1 Chronicles 27, verse 30, it says, Obil, the Ishmaelite, was over the camels, and Jediah, the Maranathite, was over the donkeys. I know it seems like a small verse to add, like it's like, why, why this one of all the verses? This one sticks out to me, you wanna know why? Because the Ishmaelites were not the people who God set aside. It was the Israelites that God set aside. Yet even though God set aside the Israelites, among them 
were those who came alongside the Israelites as Ishmaelites to perform and to participate in the salvific work of Christ. What am I saying? What I'm saying is it was always about faith. It was never about blood. It was always about faith. It was never about blood. Yes, it is the rain, family. <laughs> it's the rain falling down. It's the glory of the rain. So I want you to all to be encouraged today because I, I really feel it necessary as we're speaking through this. As we see all these people who are part of the story, who are playing a role in the story, who we've read, the, by the way, we've read all this already. We've already read all this. And yet, even though we've read about all this stuff, he, the, the author of Chronicles is going back and just giving us all these names. Hey, by the way, there was a supporting cast that made this possible, that were a part of the story as well. So for you, who's not the celebrity influencer, for you, who isn't the, the, the big name individual, for you, who maybe the person who plays, you, you feel like your role is real small in what God is doing in your city and in your region and in your life, family, you matter. Your work matters, your gift matters, and God has called you by his name. Father, I thank you for bringing us together, Lord. I just ask, Lord, that you would bless us today. Well, let's be reminded, Lord, that our identity is in you. Not in anything else, but in you. All things exist to give you glory, and yet you have set us aside. Pour your spirit upon us that we may be your children. So bless us. Lord, bless us today, Lord. Remind us of who we are, not in our set of beliefs, not in our creeds, but in you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, love you all. Yes, the rain is pouring. I have actually raised my volume. The rain is pouring outside. It just, it just got crazy all of a sudden, out of nowhere. But uh, I love you guys very much. Um, on Patreon, I'm going to be posting the link, and I'll do it also in, um, I'll, I'll do it on IG as well, but I'll make it a public link on Patreon so you guys can see the, the link, and that you guys can share the link as well, um, but I, I want to encourage you guys to join us for the Revelation Bible study. Um, last week, we started on it, and I said, you know what, I'm going to carve out the time. We got to do this again. So 8 p.m. tomorrow, we're going to continue our study on the book of Revelation. And uh, I know that it's kind of cha it's changing all your perspectives about it. So I look forward to that. God bless you guys. I love you guys very much. Um, be encouraged. Be encouraged in the Lord. Be encouraged. Um, and so, yeah, so look forward to it. And yes, if you're looking to support on Patreon or you're looking to just get more of those updates and informations, um, information, follow me on Patreon. It's, uh, um, it's the first link on the bio. So if you click the link in the bio, the first link there, become a patron. You can, um, there's, there are announcements, announcements that I put on there that are public announcements that you'll be able to see. And then there are things that I do, uh, uh, 
exclusive to the patrons who, who support us. But this that I do here, Patreon, I'm committing to it. Love you guys very much. I look forward to the Bible study tomorrow. I will be posting the link for you guys. Um, and if you're interested in supporting the ministry in any way, you guys, your support has been a blessing.